My name is Isaac Kujereno Aboa, and you're welcome to the Change Africa podcast, where we sit with Africa's best and brightest, and we dissect the issues of the continent. We take their perspectives on how we can change the narrative of Africa, and we delve into their lives and experiences and how they are contributing to the progress of the continent. I'm here with my co-host, as usual, Daniel Murky, and today we have a special guest with us, who is going to be talking at taking us through his work in Africa's youth activism space. And with me is no other person than Donald Ambi, who is a political activist. Donald, you're welcome to the Change Africa podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for inviting me and for giving me this opportunity to share my views. Okay, so like we do on the podcast, we like to, you know, explore the people who come on the podcast and kind of give our listeners a, a little overview of what they do. So Donald, we know you're a political activist. What does that exactly mean? Um, and what, what, what does your role kind of enshrine? Okay. Um, being um, um, a political activist means for me that I'm very attracted to, to the political spaces, you know, wherever I go. And I try to see what contribution I can make for the betterment of that political space. So, for instance, um, growing up when I was at school, um, I always wanted to be the, the prefect, the class prefect, whereby I'll participate and uh, I'll get elected to be a class prefect after presenting my manifesto to my class. And then... Um, getting into the student governing body where you also present your programs to the entire institution and you you get to be given the mandate to participate and and assist recording stopped and assist the the recording institutions in progress. so for me that has always been the drive as as an as an activist and into my young adult and adult um, uh, life it's become part of me. So if I find myself in any space, I always try to figure out what are the, 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 the activities that are going there on there, uh, that I can contribute in my own little way, uh, to bring um, uh, improvement or betterment to, to that space. So that's, that's how I would define it. Okay. Um, if you look at, Africa's political landscape, it's been, I would say, it has a checkered past, you know, taking us all the way down to um, post-colonialism and African independence and a lot of country having to do with economic and political instability. in, In your kind of purview of the political landscape of Africa, what do you think has caused the instance of political um, disturbance that has, you know, kind of pervaded political democracy in Africa and has not given Africa the chance to have the stability that it needs to make the economies progress? Okay. Um, looking at the, the, the political landscape of the continent, we always have to uh, uh, look at where we come from as a continent. 
um, we understand that um, Africa has been has been in existence since the time of the of the of of of, of pre-humans, prehistoric uh, humans, uh, uh, since the time of the hominids and so on and so forth. And uh, Africa is also the origin of mankind. Uh, when we look at archaeological find, finds across the the continent. We see um, uh, finds that date right up to 3 million years ago or, or 1 million years ago. So Africa has been in existence for a very long time. But when you come to more recent times, we, we find a situation where even uh, 2,000 years ago or, 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 or 2,000 years B BC, uh, we had uh, Africa in place. And there were political systems in, in the, in the continent. Uh, but, um, we always zoom everything back to the point where, uh, we had the arrival of Europeans. Let's say roughly, um, 500 years ago when colonization started happening. But, uh, when we want to look at the continent, we need to give it that backdrop to see what were the potentials of, of Africans politically. Before the coming of of uh, of, of our our Western um, counterparts, uh, so when we look at it, we always zoom to the colonial period, which is barely five hundred years old, which is not what we should use as a reference to define Africa's political landscape or, or, or history. But that said, um, zooming to the colonial period, we would see that. Uh, uh, most of the African countries are said to have gotten independence from colonialism uh, some 60 years ago and, and so on and so forth. But we also discover that even though um, um, uh, independence was granted to uh, African countries, there were a lot of uh, um, 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 legacies that were left that Africans had to, 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 to work with. For instance, uh, when the, the, the French and the British left their colonies, uh, and gave independence, the, the administrative structures and systems that were put in place in most African countries were aimed at having these African countries be pro 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 producers of raw materials and, and harvesters of of mineral resources to feed the colonial masters. So that scheme has, has, uh, uh, has not really changed since colonial times. And that's why most of the, 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 the most of what Africans depend on in the current system is to harvest what we have and send out. And then we now import or buy finished goods from our colonial masters or so-called industrial nations. So that has been the legacy and that has been what has, has defined the operations of Africans in the political space post-colonial, uh, colonialism. So, so in, in brief, I would say that, uh, Africans are still locked up in this space that only lets them barely feed themselves so as to be able to keep the global polarity where uh, the African countries remain the producers of raw materials 
for the, 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 the other powers to use to make finished goods and bring back to Africans for consumption. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, get, I get what you're trying to say, right? But at what point does Africa's story get kind of, um, the umbilical cord of Africa gets finally cut and dissociated from the political past of colonialism and almost seeming like the blame game and victimization of Africa itself. At what point does Africa move on and Africa becomes um, accountable for its own destiny? Okay, okay, thank you. That's a very great question. Um, the, the point is that has been, each generation has always had, had its mission. So the, the, the generation of Kwame Nkrumah was to, to, to foster and to bring out the political independence of, of the continent. Now, the current generation have the mission and the mandate to ensure that this uh, continent gets economic leverage from its, um, uh, its resources, be it human uh, or be it natural resources. Uh, both have to work in tandem because the, the system that was made and left on the continent was one that keeps draining, keeps draining. I don't want to, to be, uh, to, to remain on the blame game. I'll, I'll, I'll touch on, on other aspects, but the system that was left, uh, everybody wants to travel out of the continent. We'll say majority of the, of the, the young people on the continent, they, they think that the better life is not on the continent. So everybody wants to, to travel out of the continent. I am one of those young people that had opportunities to, to, to be in Europe. I've been to European countries. I've been to, to the US, but, um, I have always had that internal desire because consciously I know that if I take my brain to these countries, I will do well. I'll make money for myself, but that is not going to help my people grow because on the continent, the human resources keeps going out. Countries spend a lot of money to train medical doctors and nurses here. But when those people graduate and finish, what do they do? They go overseas for greener pastures. Everything, the system has been made in such a way that everything that comes from outside the continent is made to, to, to look glitter. You know, it looks like uh, out of the continent, that's where everything is. But whereas we are carrying the intellect, we are carrying the ingenuity, we are carrying all the human resource to these places, and we develop these places. You discover that uh, places like America were developed by slaves that left the continent through the hard work and the sweat. The, the European countries, the same thing. But that is still happening right now. So what uh, we need to do, uh, talking of the umbilical cord, we need to start valuing ourselves as Africans. We need to start through our own narrative. For instance, very simple things that could be done. We, we, we discover that uh, young people spend a lot of time consuming soccer on, on, on the media, consuming um, uh, European uh, leagues on the, on, on the media, consuming movies from the media, uh, con uh, uh, from the West, consuming um, music as well. But of recent times, uh, as I said, this generation has that mission to change most of these things. The economic uh, aspect as well as the self, uh, 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 um, uh, self-emancipation. So we need to, to start changing the narrative. 
uh, one thing which I value very much on the continent is the way the Nigerian movie industry has grown. You know, they, they begin to tell, they are telling stories that showcase pride in being African and the African system. Yes, they are also having a lot of of what is embedded in their stories that talk of how greener pastures come from outside. You see a young man who go out, come back with a lot of money. So, so that is subconscious teaching of our young people. But if we start teaching our young people how somebody started a farm in Africa and grew cassava and started selling and made money and got married to the most beautiful woman, woman in the community, you discover that that narrative would have changed. So it is our mission as this generation to, to cut that umbilical cord, to re-educate ourselves and to put out our own story with our own narrative. Fortunately, there is a, a social media right now where people don't have boundaries, where young people in their own corner can bring out a narrative that they themselves will enjoy. That's why we begin to see people, there's a lot of, 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 of comedy that is being made now using social media. People are beginning to tell their stories. So we need to continue to build that. And the African leadership needs to invest in these areas to make sure that we are able to tell our own stories and we are able to, 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 to emancipate our minds economically so that we don't keep looking at this, this African continent as a place where human and natural resources need to migrate to the other regions of the world. I think I really agree with you on that point, right? Africa is the place where things that come naturally to us are exported. So the nature's dumping side of its best goods is us, and we also dump it to the rest of the world because apparently we can't do anything with it. Um, you made a very crucial point where you said that um, there are different kind of um, purposes of a generation, and our generation is to give economic prosperity to Africa and emancipate us economically and through which we'll be able to, you know, own our own destinies. How does that happen? How do we move to making sure that we get that economic prosperity that is going to help us get libera um, um, liberated from, from the struggles of um, nuclearism? Okay. Um, um, first of all, uh, I don't know if there is one answer to this, but uh, we we always have to to keep doing uh, what we call trial and error. We we we'll see that the African spirit has always been one that survives and that thrives, no matter the adversity. So when we look at our brothers that were carted to the to the other parts of the world as slaves, they were not given freedom. But the story has not been told how those people took their freedom. The narrative has always been that of how some savior from somewhere granted freedom. So, so we, we have stories, uh, of, of African resilience. And fortunately, that resilience has never died down. So when, when our generation begins to look at itself in, in that with that uh, uh, lens, you you see that people will begin to find ways to do trial and error to see how they can liberate themselves. I'll just zoom into to the Southern African context where we have young people like uh, uh, Julius Malema, 
and 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 his friends who took upon themselves the burden to start talking about economic freedom because we'll discover that in that country uh, 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 the vast portions of the of the of the of the usable land is in the hands of the minority of the white people but that's a country that already had uh, political independence but the majority of the black people of that nation were deprived of land or of the natural resources of the land but these young people found a way to bring out their voice to say look we need the land because that is where we'll be able to sustain ourselves we need uh, some of the factors of production so that we will be able as black nation to also be able to compete with other peoples of the world so because these people saw the value in themselves they could occupy that space they took a chance and for some reasons it's been working in their favor so looking at it across the continent young people would have to identify their strengths and not only look at how they will escape to western shores or to other parts of the world but have to start identifying their strengths and seeing how they can meet their needs we have a situation right now where everybody is crying about hunger because of the war in ukraine okay before the coming of of of, of our, our uh, of other people from other parts of the world to the continent weren't africans eating were africans starving no so what am i trying to say i'm trying to say there is a space in here which young people on the continent can tap into and try to position themselves so that they can be able to feed themselves when you're able to feed yourself you are making business for yourself for your community you discover that you'll be able to sustain yourself and you won't have to depend on other people and once you're able to feed yourself you have space now and time to do other creative things you'll be able to sit down some of you will be able to produce enough to feed the entire community and some of you would have time and space to be to be ingenious to think of inventions and excess that would come from some of this 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 aspects of being able to to nourish oneself will be used to sponsor other aspects as research for construction and other stuff so um so the the simple but complex answer which i'm going to give to this is that uh, young people across the continent will have to start thinking of how to solve their problems in their immediate environment using solutions that are within their environment because if we want to look too far that's where we find that young people would always expose themselves to situations which would tell them that they are inferior and they cannot make it unless they move to the other side and hand over themselves to produce for the other people yeah so you brought up julius yeah you brought us julius malem and i know you're affiliated with the economic freedom fighters um and i just want to you know delve into that form of um, political activism and I guess a political party because we've always been crying about youth and getting involved and Malema has led the charge crucially around that um, has gotten a lot of young people and this really has become the you know the third force in um, South African and even I guess to a larger extent Southern African politics but as a self-identified radical and pol um, 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 
militant group. Do you think that that form of radicalism and militancy is what is needed now in 2022 to cause economic transformation that leads to economic prosperity? Well, um, uh, I would say yes and no. Yes, because uh, there is no one size fit all. You know, no one can have the complete answer to, to, to all of this. So people, as I had said before, will have to keep trying one thing after another. And what the EFF did was uh, under uh, Julius Malema's leadership was to find the space and to take that space and to speak the language of the people the language that says look the people are suffering they need work they need they, they, they need work they need land they need the force they 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 they, they, they need the, the the factors of production so that they can be able to combine this and also provide for themselves so and and no because uh we we'll need to approach this in 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 a in a, in a debate and civil manner how we combine those two is left to us, but but we hope that if those two two aspects meet each other somewhere, then you can only have something beautiful that would 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 be able to take our people forward. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll add further on that. We will see that um, uh, the leadership of 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 Julius Malema has been one which has has, has which which shook uh, the continent. Because of their coming into the Pan-African Parliament, they begin to question those who go there to sleep. They begin to question those who go there to promote uh, agenda of former colonial masters. They begin to ask for the agenda of meetings to be set to be set before the meeting. They, 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 it, it is no more a situation where in the African Parliament, young uh, uh, the space have been allowed to old people who just wait for dictates from the former colonial powers. Now they in that Parliament are taking up the stance and demanding that things be done in a way that benefits the continent. So when we look at it, we will see that yes, they 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 it, they they are being looked at as radicals, but. You would see that in the parliament, the tone is more civil, even though you would say that it is, it is, it is, it is hard, but it goes to touch the key points of what has left us behind. And we need to have such a combination. If we can find such a combination across the continent in the political space, I think that would really add value to the, to the, to the, to, to the advancement of the of the young people on the continent and the continent at large. So, I think you hail from Cameroon, and Cameroon has its own um, checkered um, past. Um, you know, Paul Bia and all that he's done. T tell us about the political situation of Cameroon and your perspective around that. Okay, um, the the Cameroons uh, is is cons consisted of briefly is consisted of of the former uh, British Southern Cameroons, which uh, separated from Nigeria, administered by the British, and uh, the former um, La République du Cameroon, which was under French colonial uh, colon uh, uh, French. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I, I don't want to say colonization because they were actually mandated by the UN. So they were not colonized. They were mandated by the UN. They were to, to, to be administered by France for independence. 
So um, these two territories had to come together to form uh, what they call the United Cameroons. But because of political machinations, when uh, oil wealth was found in the southern Cameroons, France ordered the French Cameroon, which was 80%, to move its soldiers over and annex the British side of the country. So, uh, so that because that area had the parliament and the people could debate the laws of how they want to use their resources. But the other side, which is the French side, where everything went to France. So because that was a minority, they were subdued and, and, and that's what has created all the problems that we see today where there is such a conflict there. But we also uh, have the situation where France uh, leaves um, uh, um, uh, puppet leaders in its former uh, colonies, in quote. So you would find that uh, in, in Togo, uh, Nasikme Yadema would be replaced by his son. You will find that in, uh, in, in, in Congo, in, um, in Gabon, uh, Omar Bongo uh, will be replaced by his son, Ali Bongo. Even when he's paralyzed, he's driven on the wheelchair around as the president of the country. You will find that in the Cameroons, uh, a, a, a vegetative old Paul Bia, who is approaching his death, is, 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 is still kept in place by the French colonial uh, powers. And uh, they are preparing the sun to take over. So those are the colonial legacies that we have. So when you look at it, uh, the whole boiling pot, that uh, the whole boiling that we see within the, the the Cameroons is 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 a result of the colonial legacies on the continent, where you you have brothers who are supposed to be working hand in hand, uh, have been subdued so that resources can be taken and channeled over to the colonial powers. So those are the type of engagements that young leaders or young people on the continent are supposed to be sitting in places like the Pan-African Parliament and asking those tough questions. What is happening here? That is how the continent stayed back and watched how our brothers killed themselves in Rwanda, still pushed by the French agenda. So we, we need to, 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 to see this from afar and we need to start attacking it. Even looking at it right now, we have what? The France CFA, which is still a, a, a colonial currency in all the French uh, colonial, um, um, former colonies on the continent. Now, this, these countries cannot take any, any decisions that would be economically viable for the continent. Why? Because the French will always have a heavy hand in their, in their economic policies. Most of these countries are still paying colonial tax. Uh, up to 500 uh, million dollars be, being sent to, to the French uh, treasury every year by this country. This is money that would do a lot of good for the continent. But these countries cannot have this money. These reserves are in France. And when these countries need these reserves, they have to take it and they have to, 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 to pay interest on it. So when you look at all the systems and machinations, we don't want to remain on blaming the former colonial powers, but we need to tell the African young people to open up their eyes to find ways to resolve these problems. Because when this problem affects one particular area, it affects all. For instance, we cannot take decisions in the AU that would suit the continent because the majority of the countries that are former French countries will be waiting for instructions from France. Now we have uh, we have a, 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 a parliament, uh, an African um, Union building in, in Ethiopia, which 
has been constructed by the Chinese. And we saw media, media, uh, articles saying that this building was, was, uh, they discovered that spyways were incorporated into the building. So African young people need to open their eyes. They need to fill up the spaces and they need to question some of these things that are coming out very strongly because if, if the young people remain passive, these things will be pitting, uh, one country will be pitted against another and we will remain in the same space. I think that's an excellent commentary on the on the political situation. I'd like us to piggyback on, you know, the separatist group, the Amazonian separatist group. Um, you know, this is not a particularly Cameroonian thing, although obviously in Cameroon that has, you know, caused a lot of wars. But we know Nigeria specifically has that. We know certain parts of Africa have that, even Ghana, which is relatively a peaceful country, has had kind of separative uprisings. What really happened, and I get the whole, you know, colonial uh, imprints, but um, what do you think influences or what do you think happened at the founding of African countries that so much polarized people of the same color, mostly um, maybe not of the same language, but of neighboring and cultural, you know, um, um, they share a lot of culture and they show a lot of land, they show a lot of things be so um, committed to hating each other, committed to fighting, committed to, you know, coming against each other. Should it be a cause of a blame on the independence, the, the leaders are the, are the African independents who were not able to, you know, create united borders, or should we, again, blame um, the Western powers for kind of putting more, more salt to the, to the already uh, existing injury? Okay, um, um, uh, my view on this one is, is, is that, um, colonialism happened and, uh, we have to pick up ourselves from it. What we cannot tolerate or what we should not as African youths tolerate is neocolonialism to continue to take its roots on the continent. Now, um, we could have a healthy continent with integrated economy where we have parts of the continent that have uh, its autonomy. So, um, looking at the case of Amazonia, as you mentioned, uh, you have a state of the British Southern Cameroon that was autonomous, that came into, into a united uh, 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 federation with the French La République du Cameroon. And everything that was agreed upon was thrown into the dustbin because oil was found in that area and the French needed that oil at all costs. Decisions that had to be taken in the parliament of the Southern Cameroons were annulled. The president at that time, the constitution of that, of the, of the United Country stated that the federation would never, would never be abolished. But because resources were found in the minority region, what did the president of the majority state do? He got instructions from the colonial masters, France, and he called for a national uh, 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 referendum and imposed on the minority region that the, the, the federation, which was agreed upon in the first constitution of the United Country, should be abolished. Whereas it was only the the english-speaking part called ambazonia today which had the option to vote 
was given the option by the UN to vote whether to join Nigeria uh, on independence or whether to join La Republic on independence. So when you put the whole country into that pot to say let's do a referendum, it means you are just going to impose you the will of the majority to the minority. That's why the constitution of that country said uh, you should never do away with the federation. So that was done. And, and, and that's what caused the whole chaos there. Now, when we talk of separatist groups across the, the continent, yes, those are happening. But uh, when we look at the separatist groups, they have to be looked at in the varying degrees. With Nigeria, uh, you see Ghana, Nigeria, Southern Cameroon, British Southern Cameroon, La Republic Cameroon were all mandated territories. So they were of equal status for independence. So when you look at that compared to the groupings across the continent, we talked of, of Ghana and the, and the, and the, and the situation. Those were not mandated territories. Those are parts of the country that maybe through some marginalization or some, some aspects have decided to say, no, we don't want to be here anymore. But, so they are, they are all of varying degrees. But what my opinion is, is that if these areas feel marginalized, they should be given certain uh, preferential situations where they can be autonomous. And the, the, the whole con um, um, of the autonomous states of the continent would work together as a broader body to enhance the continent. So that would be my own view on this matter. So, you know, um, since the beginning of this year, a lot of Russian influence in the, in, in the continent has increased. You know, obviously China for the past five to ten years because of the um, Belt and Road Initiative um, has increased its um, influence heavily on Africa. But as you were saying, France um, is trying to regain um, its influence back again. You know, I think even it was this week I heard that Macron is back in Africa to try and like repair, you know, relationship with Cameroon and etc. etc. How does Africa make sure that it disentangles itself from these countries that seemingly don't have the best of our interests? Especially, you know, with the, with the progress of the wars that are going on, and 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 I agree with you on the front of um, Francophone Africa, um, it has its benefits. For example, you know, I work at an intersection of fintech and some startups and all of that, and I can tell you one of the benefits of having a common um, 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 currency is that it's it's mixed standardization of legal processes and policies easier, especially on on the on the currency lines. However, we know that the influence of friends. Um, France on the French-speaking African countries has not been the great. They are the ones that are most politically um, destable, etc., etc. So, how do we make sure that we disentangle ourselves from these, you know, global superpowers that are still trying to plunge into our 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 nations and and take advantage of us? It seems. I I I, I will agree with you. Starting on the fact that one currency will always be a good thing. And, 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 and we, 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 there will always be down the, the downside of, of most policies or, or most of this. But having a currency like we have all the states of the, of the US, they are using the, 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 the dollar. And we have the, 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 the Chinese, they are using the, 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 the yen. You go across, you have, so these are big, um, 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 uh, uh, states. 
and they are using one uh, monetary system. So when you look at it, that is what the, the, there are always benefits to that. But with the, the case of the Francophone system, we, we do not need a French imposed system within the continent. We need something like what Gaddafi was trying to do before he was killed by, uh, by, 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 by Sarkozy, uh, and, uh, and, uh, the others. So we need something which, which, which unites the, the monetary power of the continent. That, 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 that's something that will really add value to, to our operations. We have the echo which was talked of, of recently, but we know how most of these things get delayed by the policy and, and all of that, the decision making processes. So when you, when you look at all of this, uh, we need that strong united currency for the entire continent. Now, moving to how do we disentangle ourselves from, from this, uh, former colonial powers. Um, I think right now, uh, the global situation has posed a very, uh, a very, um, uh, great opportunity for, for, for African states because we, we see people approaching the continent, uh, with, for help. People are approaching the continent to, uh, the, without the condescendence that we've always seen. So Macron's visit to Africa, uh, comes at the same time where, where the Russians have launched visits in the, in the, in, in the continent. And we know that historically, there has always been those who colonized and there has always been those that were fighting for freedom. And there have always been those that supported those who fought for freedom. So by default, when the Russians are coming to the continent, Countries like uh, Angola would open arms. Countries like South Africa would open arms because the ANC was supported by Cuba. And Cuba was an ally to who? To Russia. All of this is linked up together. Not only the ANC, we have uh, SAPO uh, uh, and most of those other country, uh, uh, liberation movements in, in, in Southern Africa. They were supported by Cuba and the Russians. Now, when the French are being threatened, and they are rushing to the continent, they know that they cannot have the same condescending attitude that they used to have before. So when they go to Cameroon, like for what happened recently, Cameroon signed a military agreement with the Russians. So they went to Cameroon to say, hey, you know, you need to change this. And I don't think that that country has Bosch on that position. Now they went to, to Niger after that. And the, the Niger told them, look, uh, we are looking at a game of interest. So right now, this situation has brought great opportunity for Africans to step up. And for some reason, my instinct tells me that uh, it is the shifting point because these competing powers will give the space for Africans maybe to make them the, the best proposals for themselves moving forward. So they'll be able to look at who were their friends or who can be their friends for the long run compared to who can be dictating what they should do or not do. So this is a, a great opportunity for the continent. And it will be great if our young people take interest and push our leadership to start having very independent liberal positions on these issues rather than to be beaten or dictated to by any of the of the powers that that uh, 
we are talking about. I mean, I agree with you, but China also presented the same opportunity. It didn't seem that African leaders necessarily took advantage of the your new influence of China coming in against, you know, American influence. The question really is, um, for example, if we're talking about Russia and we're talking about countries um, uh, that, are, that, are, that are coming to align with Africans and perhaps give more competition to so-called um, colonial masters, do we think like that... Um, I mean, this is your personal uh, personal take I'm asking from you, that do you think like countries like Russia and their history also of, you know, Russia against Ukraine as, as has gotten murkier at this point? We understand the Western influence. However, do we think that we want to still um, have negotiations with such countries? And how careful should we be in our negotiations with such countries so that it doesn't repeat history? Mm. Okay, um, um, my take is that uh, countries will always have to negotiate with other countries. So, be it Russia, be it America, be it the UK, be it France, be it China, countries will always have to make those tough decisions. They'll have to always step up to the negotiation table. Our main problem as a continent or as young people is that uh, we are not putting the right pressures. We are not putting the right pressures on our leaderships so that they can articulate certain positions that are of interest to us. Why? Because we do not even know what are the positions that are of interest to us. So if the, 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 the political institutions will create the space for its young arm, the, the young people within this space, to be able to bring forth the proposals that we, they, they can take when they meet some of these uh, powers, then there may be a shift in the positioning of the agendas. When China came, uh, maybe some of the, the advantages were not taken seriously. Is that the end of the world? No. That presents an opportunity to say, okay, next time, when a power is coming, if China is coming, if Russia is coming, if America is coming, whoever is coming, how do you articulate your needs differently? How do you negotiate differently? So it's a constant, it's always going to be a constant engagement. It's always going to be a constant learning curve. We'll make mistakes. There will be mistakes made by generations, but what every other generation should do is to say, okay, that was a mistake that was made. The negotiations with China was not good. Now the West is bubbling. Now negotiations are being made. How do we therefore fill up that space to make sure that whatever, whoever is coming, we articulate our needs as well because everybody do, uh, does have those needs. And if we are able to, 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 to go through that, then we'll be able to make better concessions going forward. I like that optimistic note um, that you attach to it. Um, but I also want to talk about young people um, much more um, into detail. I know you are involved in training people who have you know, political ambitions across Africa, especially young people. There is a seeming political apathy across 
young people and you cannot blame them our political leaders have not stepped up to the occasion um we are seeing a lot of insurrections in Ghana over the past few months because of a lot of poor political decisions that have been taken that has affected the economy we are seeing i mean obviously the influence of china i'm sorry russia and COVID cannot be understated however we saw some of these um some of these decisions being made before that and that has urged us to an even more decaying uh, economic state what do you tell young people now who are disappointed by the political system who see the political elite as an institution to you know reap them out of their resources and you know enrich themselves what do you tell them and how do you encourage them and how do you kind of get them to become interested again in politics because unfortunately for us i guess fortunately or fortunately for us the way we lead countries is through political democracy and it has to be the way that we find ourselves back. And we when you find the younger generation not interested, and it means that we are kind of rejecting the role that is invaluable in the decision-making of countries. Look, um, that's a very, very interesting question. Uh, it, it, what we, we need to tell our young people is that politics affects the price of the pure water you have, you drink. Politics affects the price of the gobe you have. Politics affects the price of the wache you eat. So the political apathy is also a creation. It's also a creation. But the more we tell the young people that, look, this design has been made such that you don't have interests. And where you do not have interest, the few people that will be there will decide on how much you pay for the pure water you drink. When we get on that angle and getting the young people constantly on that messaging path, definitely they will, everybody needs to make sure that they fill up their stomach they will find ways to engage. And those who will be able to, 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 to bring out ways that have been engaging young people, then they would learn it and replicate it in other areas. That would make sure that you have an active participation of more and more young people in the system. The continent needs its young people to participate. That is where the energy is. That is where the creativity is. The continent has a lot of young people. So even in Ghana, the leadership, it's, 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 it's something that our leadership should be pushed into taking up. Whatever political affiliation anyone is, the young people, uh, the, the, the messaging has to be put out to the young people that they have to be involved. Because if they are not involved, they'll be paying double for everything that they consume going forward. So the apathy is a, is a thing that has been planted and the young people need to identify it and find ways to get around it. I, I like that, persp uh, that perspective, you know. It's a very different approach to thinking about the problem. But more on that, what, how do we train the next generation of Africa's political leaders? Oh, that's a, that's a, a tough one, but also quite interesting. Um, 
I think uh, the the current dispensation where we have ev- almost every young person uh, being aware of of the social media and and uh, there is ease in ways of communicating across the world um um it provides a, a great impetus for 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 ideas and opportunities to be shared across board so how do we therefore prepare the next uh, generation of leaders we have talked about some of the challenges that we have seen we've been able to identify some of the problems that the continent face what we need to do is to keep opening the eyes of our young people and if a critical mass of our people you won't be able to reach everybody but if a critical mass of our people do know what the problems are and start pondering what possible solutions are there definitely some there would be a positive outcome so preparing the young people would just be to constantly expose them exposing them to some of the mistakes that have been made exposing them to some of the challenges and allowing them the space and supporting them to be able to find what solutions they can bring forth in 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 assisting the situation going forward so um that's what i think uh we can work on constant messaging for the young people to involve them in, into bringing up solutions to our challenges okay uh, i would like us to take a view into the future um you know with all that is happening right now how do we africa position itself to you know achieve that is all that it wants to achieve i mean i'm talking futuristic in the next 10 20 years i mean au has the agenda 2063 um, and in the agenda 2063 is a lot of um big aspirations for african unity african prosperity um first of all how do we get one of the things i have about you know uh, such bodies and i will i mean i'll talk about the un also in a few and even the AU is that there's a difficulty getting continental buy-in, right? So, for example, you have things like the AFCTA. It's been talked around for a very long time. Finally, has come to a pass. But are we really seeing the 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 benefits of the AFCT after its announcement for the past two, three years? Um, we saw something called PASS, which is supposed to facilitate cross-border transaction. We've heard that it's going to be passed around um, some countries. We've heard that it's been operationalized. But it almost seems these things are happening in vacuum, but we are hearing things all the time. First question is, how do we get continental buy-in so that we can have an African unity? Because irrespective of the cultural, geographic, language, currency barriers that we do have, Africa has the best potential to prosper if it works as a one economic and political block. So how do we get that buy-in? And how does politics play a role in making that happy? You sort of Does politics play a role in making that happy? Mm, Okay. So um, futuristic. So um, sticking on that, um, look, um, Africa Africa is a very old continent. And uh, the machinery of change in Africa usually takes time. But you look at it, I am always looking at things from an optimistic angle. Um, um, after 
after was given birth to, and fortunately, uh, the, 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 the headquarters is in Accra, in Ghana, uh, where the, the charge for African independence was led from through Dr. Kwame Nkrumah. Um, that is an institution that I think uh, we have spoken about a lot, and it has come around. But the leadership that is there is pretty young, and I've been to some of their events. Uh, I've seen them in, in, in institutions, like they were uh, having a program in UPSA here in Accra, where they were uh, educating the young people of what after is. And what I think is that bodies like those should be used or should be taken to all the institutions on the continent where you have young minds. The leadership there is already doing what it can do. But as we say, the, the, the machinery of change on the continent is usually slow, but with time, it will definitely bear some fruit. Um, um, futuristically still, when we look at um, the Americas, you discover that uh, America has always won all the wars in the movies. But realistically, America ran away from most of those wars in reality. America ran away from Iraq. America ran away from Afghanistan. America ran away from Vietnam, and so on and so forth. It goes back to what? Why do we believe that America is so strong and powerful and unbeatable? It goes back to Hollywood. Futuristically, Africans have to occupy the space and tell their own story. They have to be able to preach the good news of, uh, of, 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 of the free trade zone. After needs to be taken to all the, the countries. The implementation may be slow. But as long as the people know that if your economies come together and this vehicle is implemented properly, it will bring good tidings to all of the, the, the children of the continent. If we take that to the people, stage by stage, step by step, and the people buy in, definitely it will yield dividends for the, for the continent. So I think, I think looking at it futuristically, um, I have hope. Uh, there will be challenges bringing out some of the, 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 the issues that we face as a continent and dealing with them. But, uh, knowing how resilient the continent has been throughout time, uh, there is always hope that things will always move for the better if our people, uh, engage the way they should engage with the youthful population that we have and the energy that we have. I guess my last, my yeah, my last but one question to you is, you know, on the UN and its role, and we've talked about all this, um, you are the one who is the political expert, and uh, before I ask for concluding thoughts from you, can the UN be doing more, you know, um, in situations like Ukraine, which is really, uh, you know, Above the preview of Africa, the podcast is focused on Africa, but I guess in Cameroon, in Mali, the insurrections there. Can the UN be doing much better? Can the AU be doing much better? Um, 
both institutions can do better and uh both uh the the but going to the un the un needs fundamental restructuring because we can't have a global system that was set up uh, after the second world war running affairs in in a time such as 2022 uh, where you have got new economies that have grown and we've got populations that have expanded across the world it just won't work the un needs some fundamental restructuring and that's why when you look at the situation the ukraine the ukraine uh, russia war uh, the, the 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 un is 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 neither here nor there some of the members they are running a particular narrative but when you look at within that structure you have Russia and so many of its allies. There's the BRICS block, uh, India, Brazil, China, South Africa. Those, those, those nations have, 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 have stood by Russia directly or indirectly. So when you look at it, uh, the UN has got to be restructured. You can't have a body running world politics where there are five permanent members and the continent is always being used as the, 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 the doormat, the African continent being used as a doormat. Each time they'll come and talk to Nigeria, look, if you betray the continent here like that, you become the permanent member. Then they'll go to South Africa, they'll do the same. Then they'll go to Ghana and they'll do the same. So that permanent membership has been used so much to disentangle the continent. That structure needs to be revamped. Coming to the AU, the AU is a leftover of the colonial remnants. So when you look at the AU, uh, so much is in there that needs to go. We spoke about uh, the, the old 80-something-year-old Paul Bia of Cameroon. He's the president of Cameroon, and he still participates through his ministers and through those things within the AU. Rightfully so, he's a president, but those are colonial remnants. Young, energetic people should be given the space to take to occupy leadership on the continent and to move into these institutions and shake it up. Let them move in there and shake it up, and you discover that the pace at which things like AFTA are being implemented will speed up. So the, the powers that are out there still have a stronghold on most of these institutions. Same way the stronghold is within the UN, is the same way the stronghold is on the African, uh, the African Union. So both institutions need proper restructuring. But, uh, you know, you know the challenges we face. Uh, uh, leader Gaddafi was uh, taken away because of some of the reforms and, uh, he brought forth. So we have all those challenges. We cannot say they are small challenges. They are not. But we need to, to be aware of what are, are the difficulties we may face and we need to find subtle ways to approach them. And that's why I think the, the idea of the, of the free trade zone after, which is a, a little bit away from the political arms of the African uh, institutions is a very brilliant idea and uh, it should be given all the support for it to succeed because it's going to, 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 to bring together the economies of the continent. 
and uh, away from the politics. Because I've seen them engaging with business people in Ghana, South Africa, and across the continent. So when you look at it, if they, if they get the space, it moves away, it moves some decision making and implementation away from the, the spyware building in Ethiopia. So I think, uh, uh, those, those, those two institutions need some fundamental restructuring. Um, brilliant conversation, Donald. What are your last words before we end the podcast? Um, my last words will be to say, um, look, there, the future is bright for the continent. We have challenges, but in those challenges, there are opportunities. And we Africans need to step up, seize those opportunities and move forward. For instance, I would say, uh, some of us, we've, we had opportunities to be out of the continent, but, uh, through our roots, we managed to resist and we stayed on the continent and we, we are still moving on. Uh, the more of us can do that, the more we can say that uh, we are appri- approaching a, a brighter future for the continent. Thank you very much, Donald. Um, this has been Donald Ambey, who is a political activist. And this has been the Change Africa podcast. We've had a lot of um, discussions around Africa, political activism, and how do we, we can really change the fortunes of Africa through um, politics, the problems that exist in the status quo and how it can get better. It, it was a pleasure to have you on, on, on the podcast, Donald. Thank you. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. Yeah, so that will be the end of the conversation. Um, next, we have more trending conversations on the Change Africa podcast. Um, thanks for listening.